There are many avenues to success. The question is, which one is right for you? I don't have the answer to that, but what I do have is a long list of entertaining people who would like to tell you how they made it. Welcome to 3Ds to Success Podcast. Determination determines destination. When you stop viewing your challenges and obstacles as barriers and more as benchmarks, you'll be well on your way to creating a more fulfilled life. Join us as we dive deeper into the world of successes, no matter how you define the word. This is the 3Ds to Success Podcast with your host, Sid Ousley, a man with a lot of determination who has served with the U.S. Marines and as a deputy sheriff, now a certified speaker and mentor. Let's get right into today's episode. Live. Hey, this is Sid Owsley from the Determination Determines Destination podcast, the three D's to success. Determination determines destination, where we share stories of people who use these three principles to overcome challenges and obstacles in their life. And today I have with me Tyrese McAllister. Tyrese McAllister Yay! is a, <laughs> a licensed Tyrese McAllister is a licensed mental health practitioner with over 25 years of experience in the field of emergency mental health, helping individuals who have experienced crisis and traumatic events to recover and overcome through social, through radical resilience. She is a licensed professional counselor, certified clinical supervisor, certified sex offender treatment provider, and certified clinical trauma professional who has extensive forensic training and experience. Tyrese is the owner and chief clinical officer of her private practice, Clinical and Forensic Associates, which serves the Washington metropolitan area located in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Welcome Tyrese, how are you today? Thank you, I'm great, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, it's, it's great to have you. It's great to be here. Uh, it's, it's been a long time since I've seen you, it's been a while since I've talked to you and uh, I know you're up to big things and you help a lot of people. And so here on the three D's to success, determination, determinate, determines destination. I always ask people, how do you use these three principles in your life to overcome obstacles and challenges, help other people to do the same? Okay. Well, I'll just start with my backstory. In 2017, my daughter was murdered. Um, and I knew that I could not just lay down and not do anything, right? Although that's what every part of my being was saying, like life wasn't worth living, it wasn't worth going on. But you know, in the back of my mind, I knew I had a family, I had another child um, who had just lost her sister, I had a husband who had just lost his baby girl, and I knew that um, I was going to have to be the one that would help carry my family through um, this crisis. And it's interesting because I had worked in a crisis arena for 20 plus years at that time. And I remember being on the other end of telling people that their kids had died or their spouse or loved one or just being a deliverer of really not so pleasant news um, and never seeing myself on the other side of the table um, was a very interesting thing. But in 2017, when my life changed, um, I was um, determined not to let, let the devil kill, steal, and destroy. 
right? What, what God had planted in me. And I knew from a young age that um, God had given me some gifts and talents and wanted me to do some great things. I knew that. Um, and I do, I just knew that I could not, you know, even despite this tragedy, let him do that. That's right. Right. You, uh, you dealt with that situation. You, you dealt with that situation in a very constructive way to not only help yourself, but help other people. And so yeah. with your background, with the certifications you've had that you have, you know, uh, tell us about, you know, how you help other people deal with these situations. Using okay. those, those, uh, those uh, credentials that you have. So in my field, you know, credentialing is very important. Um, it gives you um, the level of experience and expertise. It demonstrates to the world that you have had training and demonstrated experience to do different types of training. And so um, I'm, I, I would like to say I'm heavily credentialed because um, that also determines the money I make or can make. Right. Um, but it also determines um, the type of clients I can work with, right? And I want to be able to work with um, lots of clients. My husband said years ago, I was working with some prostitutes um, in the field of counseling. My husband said, you always want to work with people nobody else will work with. And that's probably my calling. So um, I have a certification in um, working with sex offenders and I've worked with sex offenders and somebody's got to, right? Somebody's got to provide treatment to people who are hurting other people. And so, or who've been hurt. And a lot of them have been hurt too. Um, so I like to think of myself as heavily credentialed, um, trying to, to, to do my best. I just believe that people, like when, when you look at the issue with my daughter, right? Um, people were very surprised that, um, I think she died on a Tuesday morning and Thursday I had an interview with Bruce Johnson. Um, and Bruce asked me, um, if I could say anything to the person who killed my daughter, what would I say? And I remember saying um, that I would forgive him. I would forgive him. And and the reason behind that forgiveness is that I know pe most people are not born monsters, and that um, if and and the person or persons who were responsible for my daughter's murder, um, something has happened in their life that they would even pick up a gun, that, that a gun is even necessary in their life. And that stayed in the forefront of my mind. And so um, I've been talking about forgiveness um, since, since she was, since she was murdered um, and want people to have an understanding that it takes a village to raise a child. So if you see a child that's in trouble, a child that's going the wrong, wrong way, um, mentor that child. And my husband and I have done that. Actually, my husband has done that even before I met him. Um, not before I met him, but before we married, my husband was living in Maryland. Um, and he had, um, worked in a, um, as a juvenile PO, pro, uh, probation officer, mm -hmm. and he had three boys that he mentored. And these three young men are still in our lives today. And they're all married, all husbands um, and doing well. And they were 12 years old uh, when my husband started working with them and has stayed with them. And so these are boys that didn't, none of them had their fathers in their lives. Um, one was being raised by a grandmother. One was being raised by a single mother. And the other one, his mother um, had a major health issue and didn't stay around long. So we literally helped him get into college and everything. So it, you know, you had the, these could have been different stories for these three young men had the McAllisters not been in their life. That is, that is awesome that, uh, you took on the responsibility 
know, not just from from a professional standpoint, but from a you know a loving standpoint of of mentoring those young boys like that and then seeing them grow into men and still being in contact with them. Yeah, that's that's great. Can I say one thing on that? And I think that's really what our community is missing often, um, you know, as a professional. Sometimes I'm the only person in a person's life. I'm a paid professional. And when they talk to me, I'm billing. You know what I'm saying? But they don't have anybody else. And you we you can't you got to wonder why people are cold and, and rude because they don't have anybody. And I don't believe we were that God put us in this world to be alone. And that's why we have family. That's why we have friends. That's why we have neighbors. Right. And that we should really be um, checking on people and looking after people. And everybody, everybody is not as easy to love. Right. Some people. And so I, I recognize that. But we've got to do better and extend in ourselves, especially when people look like us. I'm not going to see children who look like me, who don't have a mother or a father. And I'm just going to walk, walk away. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's what that's what we're missing in our world. And then we wonder why kids grow up and can do some of the brutal things that they do. It's because nobody has ever shown them any love. Wow. What are some of the biggest challenges that you face when you're when you're dealing with people in these situations? You know, when you're from a professional point of view, you know, when you're counseling them and trying to get them to see things differently, you know, and and help them, you know, a lot of these people there, they they a lot of the basic needs aren't even being met. So trying to change their mind about things can be a challenge. So you know, how do you deal with that? So I become very resourceful, right? So even though I am a therapist, I wind up sometimes being a social worker and a case manager because I can't talk to somebody about changing their mindset if they are hungry, right? I don't care what kind of um, work we do when people are facing homelessness. No, they're not going to change how they talk to people or how they communicate better, right? They're hurting. And so just being able to find resources that um, can help people even when I was doing sex offender work, um, again, ju I'm just a therapist. I am there to change some behaviors in your mindset. However, you can't change people's mindset when they don't have a place to stay, when um, the legal system is looming over their head, right? So just being able to convince people that um, while I do get paid to serve, um, you know, in my field, we don't make a lot of money. So you, well, I'm not going to get rich doing this. This is hard work. H-E-A-R-T. This is hard work. Like this is this counseling and therapy and even the stuff I do beyond is really my ministry, right? It's what I'm here for. Um, and I do it when I'm not getting paid. So my children often brought children home um, and would say, you know, introduce me to their friend and say, my mother can help you and leave because they knew, you know, or my parents can help you um, with this. And even though my daughter, she moved away to Richmond, um, her friends still come around. Um, you know, they call me and my husband, Ma and dad, and they, um, you know, they, they seek advice for us. But you got to be in a position to be able to receive that advice and you got to have some basic things, man. And then the second thing is you got to meet people where they are. You can't expect people to change. Um, and, and, and you got to not be judgmental, right? Like, so I'm not judging my clients that smoke every day, smoke marijuana every day. Like, um, 
I try to understand why they smoke, right? And what that's about and then work with them on the real issue. What's really going on and why are you really, you know, smoking every day? Not to judge me because that, that's not my thing. Um, so that's another thing that really helps me be able to get um, two clients, not having um, a judgmental um, stance. Like, oh, sure, I got a prescription of how we should be living our lives, right? And it, it's worked for me. Uh, but that don't mean everybody's able to take that on. Even like when you look at the the um, the murder of my child, um, you know, often when I meet other parents, um, they're not where I am. Right. And they apologize for that. And I'm like, no, you don't have to apologize for being angry. Like, I get that. I'm, I'm not angry, but I get that you're angry and I'm not better than you because you're angry about it. I just know anger don't work for me. I can't be productive under anger. And so that's my thing. But I'm not, you know, it's not a judgment or people should be where I am. People feel their loss very differently. And so I honor that and I work with people where they are. That's great. That's great that you you recognize that, you know, like you said, everybody's different. Everybody's at where they're at. And that's where you got to meet them at. You know? Yeah. How does this work affect you? Because you're you're dealing with people who pretty much every time you're dealing with them, they're at their worst situation in life. Yeah. And so this is every day. How does that affect you? How do you deal with that? Um, I eat. I shop. I'm going to just be transparent, right? Like, I would love to have this story. Like, I have this Zen moment and I do this now. Um, and, and, but, you know, in honesty, it's a very good question. Um, I have to do better at taking care of myself. And I think I do. Like, I'm, I'm real good at self care and I advocate that self care cannot, self-care is more than bath bombs and a massage although i love both of those things like when the um when the metal meets the when the metal meets the road like uh, a massage is not going to help me right with the real stuff that i'm dealing with and neither is a bath bomb and so um you do have to be radical in your resilience you have to be radical about the things you do so that you can bounce back um and it has to be intentional. Taking care of your mental health has to be intentional. And I do do that. However, I do have some unhealthy habits too. Like, you know what? I eat to stress. So now I got all these COVID pounds, right? That I didn't have before. And so I got, I do have to do better with that. Um, I noticed for me, since my daughter, who was my shopping partner, um, has died, I do not like going to the mall and shopping like I used to, but Amazon has become like my best friend, like the UPS guy and the FedEx guy, like they know me by name. So I got to do better. You know what I mean? So, and, and I just want to be transparent about that because a lot of people, you know, I know people want to hear that I do this, these things and I do, I do some good things. So my mind is okay, but sometimes my heart is still, you know, really concerned. And the other thing I do is I pray for my clients, whether they like it or not. I don't pray with them because that would not be ethical, but I pray for them um, all the time. And I think that has really helped me to be a better therapist, you know, knowing that I'm not the one that's ma making the magic happen. They're often it's God and, um, and putting God first. So those are like my go-to. So putting God first um, being very intentional about my own mental health, which also could mean having a therapist, right? But, and it, and then, um, and then the unhealthy stuff that I do recognizing that, you know, this is unhealthy and that I need to do better. Okay. Well, and, and yeah, that's important that you recognize you, 
You have to take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you see. No, nobody has ever accused Tyrese McAllister of not being good to herself. Like, you know, people are like, Ty, you gotta take care of yourself. I'm like, I'm good to me. Yeah. Right. But you know, in, in this full transparency, there's some things that you know, the the um eating, the lack of exercise, I could definitely do better. And that is my goal for twenty twenty one because um, God has blessed me with some really big things coming up and I want to be here for it. Right. I want to be here. I want to be able to enjoy it. I don't want to be sick. So I just have to shift my mind and bring my behavior along with me. All right. <laughs> Speaking of big things, tell, tell us about the big things that you have going on that you're doing. I'm that, so glad you asked. <laughs> OK, so the first thing that I have, I have an anthology coming out, which is a, um, a collection of authors who have come together to tell their story about mental illness. And I'm very excited about that because this book to me is going to be a game changer because most people really don't think that you recover from mental health or like if you have a mental illness that you know you just have it and you're gonna be you know standing at the 7-eleven with a cup back and like no it's not that and and i have some people in my book who have serious mental illness schizophrenia bipolar but these people are working they are contributing to society and they are doing big things so i'm very excited about that um project and that should be out the end of january the beginning of february for pre-sales and then uh, when my daughter was killed, said I um I was trying to share, you know, like talk to the kids in my family because I'm a therapist. Of course, I'm approaching it therapeutically, right? Like these kids that are dealing with a trauma um, because we're we're a family. We, you know, we are family, family. You know, and so I look for books. A book or some books to share with the little people in my family, my little cousins, my nieces and nephews. Um, to explain like this difficult topic of homicide because everybody knows the 18 year old kid who went to college is not supposed to be dead now. Right. So that's, that's a big deal. And so how do you explain it to the five year old? I remember, um, my, we were at my husband's friend's house and their five year old asked about, um, what happened to Ayana and, um, the parents fear, the fear on their face was like, Oh my God, I can't believe she did it. But me being a therapist, I was like, no, I know it's, it's okay. One, she has questions and we can't hush it. Um, and then they don't know how to explain it because it's a difficult topic. So anyway, that's, that's my why. Um, so I wrote a children's book for five to 10 year olds about homicide. And it's also going to have a, um, compliment, a complimentary, um, guide is called the caregiver guide to help caregivers explain the different that what homicide is. So it's about um, eight year old Deja who loses her sister in a school shooting. So in that book, we're going to talk about school shootings and what fears children have about school shootings and what questions they might have and how do you help answer a question? Because even if there's a school shooting, you still got to go back to school, right? Yeah. So when this eight-year-old Asia goes to, she goes to therapy and she sees Dr. Mack, that would be me. Um, and in her, in her therapy session are like six or seven other kids who also had losses. And so again, in the caregiver guide, they're going to talk, we're going to talk about those losses. So we have somebody who, who got, had a loss because of domestic violence, which changes. So when you, when, when mommy has been killed by daddy, that's a whole different dynamic than a school shooting. When the police officer who's supposed to help me has killed my brother, 
that's a whole different dynamic. And so the conversations have to be different. So I'm extremely excited about this book because unfortunately, the types of uh, murders that we talk about in this book are real issues in our community. And I want people to be able to talk about it intelligently um, and give kids the real information so that they're not hearing it from the news, which might be a little bit too big for a five-year-old. Um, and it might just be a little complicated, but just some real simple stuff that parents, youth ministers, camp counselors, um, a teacher can use. Um, I was a part of the, the response team when the 10 year old in DC was killed. You remember that? I don't know if you remember that last summer. Um, and what was interesting, she got killed in July, but in September, I was thinking about this teacher has to explain why this, 10 year old is not back in school wow right she's the teacher has to explain that to these kids or the kids are going to talk about it um and so this is a this is a tool that teachers also can use so i'm very excited about the potential for the book how it might help the community um again this is not something i'm trying to get rich on but this is this is my gift to the community to help a community of people who may not deal with this on a regular basis Mm. That's that is great. Right. So is what are what are your future plans? What else do you have going on? I'm also gonna start a podcast and it's called yeah. Third Thursday Therapy. And it will be out the first um in January. Um and I'll be talking about it is third Thursday therapy. So we'll be talking everything mental health. So one of the things that I definitely want to talk about is weed smoking, right? And you know, you're probably like, Ty, how do weed smoking got to do with mental health? Um, and it's not to bash mental health, but it's, it's to really get people to be honest about what they're doing. So I know this young people, they smoke all day. So if you got to wake up in the morning and smoke, and you smoking again at 12, and then again at 3, or you got to leave work and, and smoke a little something so you can deal with work, that's called medicating. That ain't called recreation, right? That ain't recreation. And so I'm not saying stop it. I'm saying there's treatment for that. Like if you really have anxiety, if you really have depression, if you have anger issues and that's why you smoking, because my husband's a PO, he's, kids tell him all the time, if I don't smoke, I'm going to go off, <laughs> right? And I respect that. You might go off and we don't want you to go off, but there's a bigger issue there. And I don't want people to think they don't have an issue smoking weed all day and then when you can't get it what you gonna do yeah. right so really just deal with your issues and your weed bill might go down you know what i'm saying like it, i just want to have a practical approach to, to mental health nobody wants to be crazy people really kind of shun mental health but if you take care of it it'll take care of you and that's a good you know like if you take care of your mental health so when my daughter died Oh, I had my moments, trust me, and I still have them, mm -hmm. right? I was depressed. I took medicine myself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I didn't want to get out of the bed. My baby is gone. Um, but the reality is, is that all medicine is not for, for the rest of your life. Sometimes we just have tough periods we going through. Uh, well, it might be for the rest of your life. If your doctor tell you you got diabetes, you take that glucophage for the rest of your life and you don't have no problem. Right. You know, people, you know, so we got to do better with taking care of our mental health. And and I get the stigma is really bad. And so that's, a, you know, I want to address stuff like that. I want people to take 
care of their mental health. I want people to um, take medicine if they need it. I'm not a pill pusher by no means, uh, but sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes, even with clients, I'm like, I can't work with you until you, you, you know, you settle down. And some of it is your physical, you know, your physical presence. And so, if you have anxiety, it's hard to, it's nothing I can do until you can calm your system down. I can't even teach you no skills when you up here. So, Sometimes medication is indicated and we want to make sure that um, people can, you know, just hear the truth about mental illness. Okay. Yeah, yeah it is. You, you know, you mentioned the stigma and, you know, what do you see around that, particularly in the black community, that stigma about mental health? What, what do you see, What you know, the stigma around that? What are you hearing? Or Just how we look at it. Like nobody wants to be crazy, right? So people do a lot of stuff to pretend like they don't have an issue, mm-hmm. uh, including medica- medicating it. Um, but, you know, if you own it, you can fix it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you if you anxious about stuff and, and the world is doing some stuff that they anxious about. If you don't, you know, high school students, if you just think about it, you don't lost three friends. You, you know, you, you got to get home from school. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that you got. I, I get you. you should. If you're not anxious, I'm concerned about that, uh, right? But let's talk about like how do we reduce that for you or eliminate it for you? You know what I'm saying? So you know some things are are so normal or natural, but people just because of the stigma, people just have a, a very interesting way of thinking about it. And people, quite frankly, would rather be known as a drug user or a drug addict than to have a mental health issue, which is really sad. The things that happen in life can be very traumatic. We got people deal with trauma all the time. You get um, veterans, our veterans who've been traumatized. You've been in the war zone. Your life has been at risk for months. Yeah, you should be anxious. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's some stuff there. Um, but can, if you own it, can, you can work with it, right? You you can treat most of it. And what you can't treat, just like a medical issue, some things you, some things you can um, treat and it'll go away. And some things you just manage. Right. Mm -hmm. So that it don't manage you. And so mental health is the same way. Some things are not going to go away. Schizophrenia is not going to go away. But if you take your medicine, um, you can manage it instead of having it manage you. Um, If you're bipolar, most likely it won't go away, but you can manage it so you can still have a relatively normal life. uh, And, you know, so it doesn't manage you. Depression, it goes away. Like I took pills for a few months. Um, some antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped taking them. I had to get back on them because it came back. Um, and then I'm off of them again. And I'm, um, I feel like I was able to get back to myself. Right. And that's the thing about resilience is either getting back to who you used to be or, um, better than you used to be. Right. And so there's still a huge part of me missing. You know, I had two daughters. Um, and one is not here, right? And so that's a huge part of me. But most of the stuff I try to do in her honor, like the other thing my husband and I did, we do a, we have a foundation named after her, the Ayana J. McAllister Legacy Foundation. And we do, we teach people in the African-American community how to advocate for safe neighborhoods. What I notice is that other 
communities advocate for safe neighborhoods. They know how to call the mayor and the council member and the, and the, um, the state's attorney and everybody to get their neighborhoods to be safe, but we don't. We just tolerate it, right? We tolerate um, some unsafe stuff. We don't know who to call. We don't make the calls. Um, and so we want to teach people like, you don't have to put up with this in your neighborhood. You don't have to. You deserve to be safe and your kids deserve to be safe. Right. Um, and so we want to, you know, we, we're, we're doing that and we raise money to uh, give scholarships away. Um, all in her name. So those are the things that kind of help me make her legacy still alive, which kind of helps me deal with, um, you know, the, the, what would be underlying sadness all the time. Okay. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. So during this COVID situation, what have you seen regarding people's mental health? Have you seen certain types of situations and anxieties or, or behaviors uh, be amplified? Have you seen new or different things happen to people that don't usually happen during these types of situations? Yes, I have. Um, COVID has, well, I started my private practice um, the beginning of the year. So in January and um, because of COVID, my business is good, right? So good. I got to hire another therapist, which wasn't necessarily in the plan. Um, so business-wise, it's been good. But what we're really seeing out here in the field is that People have to really deal with themselves, right? So there's some there's some healthy anxiety about oh I might catch COVID. Understandable. There's some um, anxiety about oh my God I'm isolated in the house. But what really is happening is people have more alone time or family time, and people got to deal with some of them issues they just wasn't dealing with that people were working through, eating through, shopping through. Um, you know your your child have ADHD and you, you didn't want to put that child on medicine and now you home with that child. Mm -hmm. And you got to really deal with that. That's real talk. Or um, the you have ADHD too and you're trying to get your work done and you can't get it done at home because you cleaning and moving all about and doing stuff because you also have ADHD. Yeah. Well, that's me. I mean, honestly, like I'm all over the place at the house. Um, I, need a, I need a lot more structure. Um, the other things that we're seeing is the depression. You know, uh, some people have lost a lot of people yeah. and suddenly and have not been able to be there with their loved ones, um, and which really is very disheartening for me. It's very sad for me um, to have to deal to, for me to have to deal with it. But my heart goes out to people who are dealing with it. So you have what's called complicated grief. It's not just the grief of losing a relative, because um, we all grieve, but the complication of that grief um, becomes overwhelming. Wow. wow. Yeah, this, uh, this, like you said, this COVID situation has made people, like you said, they have to deal with themselves and deal with family members and loved ones on a level that they usually don't have to. So that's, uh, yeah. that can that can be good. It can eventually turn out good if people, you know, seek people like you to help them out or, you know, do other things. Uh, and and yeah. I, I keep hearing the word, uh, it's making people reset. Yeah. Uh, people reset and look at their priorities and, and, and what's really important to them in life. Yeah. Another thing is people have a lot of losses. You know, people have lost businesses at homes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, th those are things that can happen. And those are, you know, things people didn't see coming because people were doing well. And then all of a sudden these losses. So that's another thing that's really caused a lot of depression among people. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah that, the financial loss along with the possible loss of loved ones is, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's very traumatic. Yeah. Well, Tyrese, as, as we get ready to wrap up, tell people how they can get in contact with you if they need help or if they want to uh, seek help for, for a loved one. Okay. Um, well, they get for um, the clinical practice. It's um, www.clinicalforensicassociates.com. No S on forensic. Clinicalforensicassociates.com. Um, or they can um, go to my private page, which is um, tyresemcallister.org. www.tyresemcallister.org. All right. And if people want to contact me, I can put them in contact with you also. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yes, Thank you for having me stay. It was good to talk to you. We got to get together soon. Yeah, we got you know, we got to get you in uh holler at, at, at uh Mr. Mac. Okay. Okay. I will let him know. It was great having you. All right. Take care. Good to see you. And congratulations on your success. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Bye-bye. All right, this is Sid Owsley from the Determination Determines Destination podcast, where we share stories of people who use the three principles, determination, determines destination, to overcome obstacles and challenges in life. Thank you, and have a great day. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Three D's to Success podcast. Stay connected with us directly through SidOwsley.com forward slash. You can also join the discussion on Twitter at Twitter.com forward slash OwsleySid and Instagram at www.instagram.com forward slash SidOwsley forward slash. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through 3Ds to success at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Also, get your free gift at sidowsley.com forward slash. Until next time, be determined to achieve your greatness. And remember, determination determines your destination.